The best the world has to offer in music, drama, and comedy may be enjoyed in one's own home. For radio's greatest application is in broadcasting mass entertainment. Many programs are broadcast over radio networks, and telephone lines are employed to connect the studio with the various stations. The maintenance of radio broadcasting equipment employs a large number of workers known as technicians. It is their job to see that the apparatus is kept in perfect working order. I think that it's okay if you use and love Wikipedia or any of the other projects, Wikimedia projects, just because it solves a problem for you and you need to understand or know something and you go and we're there. I think it would be wonderful if people also understood that there were a set of values behind it and that there was a global community who supports it and that it is a labor of love and human generosity because I think that that would allow people to engage more deeply. It was in late June of 2016 that Catherine Marr became executive director of the Wikimedia Foundation, and almost immediately there was an excitement, a, a spirit of positivity about the future that you could feel, I think, around the world, in and out of the Wikipedia slash Wikimedia community. No one tells me to say this stuff. I'm, I'm telling you, I was there at Wikimania, and I watched over the past 10 months as this energy has continued to flow, and with it, an array of ideas and projects about what this movement is and what it will become over the next decades. But don't take my word for it. Today on the program, we spend the hour with Catherine Marr to hear about what she sees happening around the world and what her hopes are for the future when it comes to free knowledge and this global movement of volunteers that has already achieved so much. We begin the conversation with a perhaps tired topic uh, that the mass media has so often brought up and framed this year as the eminent threat of bad information, or another way to put it, the politics of knowledge. That's coming up right now for Wikimedia Deutschland. I'm Mark Fonseca Rendeiro, and this is Source Code Berlin. Yeah. But it's also like we just discovered that information can be manipulated. I mean, it's I'm pretty sure information has been being manipulated and subject to control for as long as information has had any currency. Yeah, but for, for well, not just for some reason, but for various reasons, a lot of people like to frame the whole conversation like, no, 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 2017 is particularly dangerous and, and the worst time ever, and now we have to discuss the politics of information. Mm. I think... I think that's a bunch of people who've just lost their privilege. <laughs> what I mean by that is like, as Wikimedians, you know, first of all, Wikimedians have been distinguishing good information from bad for 16 years. And um, it's not a thing that is unique to Wikimedia. In fact, many of the policies that Wikimedians use to distinguish good information from bad come from policies that come out of the editorial space and the journalism industry, right? And so these are not things that are new per se. The other thing that it ignores is that we already, first of all, have terms for all of these things. There's no such thing as fake news. There's um, disinformation. There's propaganda. There's There are very 
there are terms for these things that yeah. exist in the world. But on the sort of politics of information side, the undercurrent that I think gets lost as well in a lot of these conversations is around like who has control of the platforms and distribution and the biases that are encoded in that mm -hmm. and who is, has the currency of creation of information and what like information dominance actually is. And those are perhaps slightly more interesting conversations, mm -hmm. but those are not necessarily new either. Not at all. Yeah. But yet you're going to find yourself constantly bombarded with this. Oh, I talk about this a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and a very good intentioned people, but, but also, yeah, I think it's the lack of history sometimes with yeah, everything that started this year. Well said. It's an ahistorical perspective. Yeah. yeah. And I understand it. There's an urgency. There's a fear. There's a concern. I think that um, for a lot of people this year feels like, like they woke up and they found themselves in a foreign land, right? I think that uh, from an information standpoint or, or the like. And I understand why that distresses people and why that makes it feel like a really urgent conversation. Um, let me ask you something. I was thinking about how you've been with Wikimedia for almost three years at this point. Three years next month. Three years next no, month. No, three years and two weeks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I had spoken to you several times way, way before that. Um, but I'm curious, like, what was your mindset at the time? Uh, the job was communications. Um, what were you thinking? Especially in terms of, okay, this community, I know it. Uh, and, and I know that that's going to change. I mean, that has changed. But I'm curious at that time how you approached this. And, and yeah, sure, we can get to how that's changed. But I want to go back. Yeah. Um, at that time, as you know, I was working more in the sort of human rights and tech advocacy, policy, yeah. digital rights politique space um, and they're different communities and so it was a bit of a shift but I remember that when someone first approached me about the opportunity to work for the foundation I I almost didn't believe them because it seemed like a dream job and it seems like the place where, of course, I would want to work. And I had never really realized it was an option. Um, I knew about the Wikimedia Foundation. I had a lot of respect for it. I knew it had a great reputation as a internally in the U.S. as a like well-run nonprofit doing good work. Yeah. Um, I knew that its mission was to support the Wikimedia projects, and I. But it was on the other side of the country from where I was, and, and I didn't know the community very well, and I wasn't a Wikimedian. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and so I thought, oh, well, that's, there's no way that I'll, well, I'll never get that job. Um, so to, to actually then start on April 14th, 2014? <laughs> yeah, 2014. Oh my gosh. April 14th, 2014, um, was really, Unexpected. I didn't expect that I would ever have this opportunity. And, and yet for me, I was, there was no question in my mind that I, I wanted to be a part of this community, that I wanted to work with the foundation. Um, I had so much respect for what the community had achieved. I had so much respect for the values. Uh, I think that it's not 
you know, it's not just the aspect of free knowledge. It's also the respect for privacy. It's also the commitment to openness. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the things that are so integral to the way that my value system works as well, personally, that I just can't imagine any world I'd want to be. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the interesting thing, especially like at that time, you couldn't imagine that you could really get that job. Yeah. Years later, you can't imagine being anywhere else. I really can't. It's kind of <laughs> frightening, actually. <laughs> I, I assume I will probably have to move on at some point in my life, but I can't imagine where that would possibly be. You're, you're in it now. I'm, so I am in the thick of it. And I, I also believe that Wikimedia is not really somewhere you ever leave. You hmm. just go through sort of like phase changes in yeah. terms of your role within the community. But one thing I've, I've watched from afar through, through social media and occasional hello um is that not unlike anyone else here but you are involved in this ongoing learning process it seems to me oh yeah every week oh or yeah so. every week's a new learning i just was thinking that so this weekend at this conference i sat down with our language committee mm-hmm. and i didn't know i someone had told me that the language committee approves new languages of wikipedia like new language projects and that Okay, that made sense. Um, I had no idea that the language committee actually is involved in like setting Unicode standards, right? The language committee has worked to encode languages that previously had not been digitized. The language committee probably represents some of the people who are most influential um, in terms of taking languages that are underrepresented in the web and making them real and alive. Because when you think about the work that Wikipedia does with some of smaller languages, we're one of the only places that Mm -hmm. actually creates the space and provides engineering support for a lot of these smaller languages. That I was stunned. I I was stunned because I was so impressed by the work that was going on. And I was stunned because I had no idea that this was something that was happening within the community of community, but of course it was. Yeah. I, of course it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's it's a constant process of learning. Yeah, and and whether it's it's it is amazing, to, like being here at the Wikimedia conference. Of course, lots of people have learned about, and I think we most of the time we're learning about projects online and through uh, not face to face communication. Mm-hmm. But then when you get here face to face, there's so much. Tell me about your project. Mm-hmm. I mean, every day, every few hours, people have appointments all day long. Some of them, yes, with people they know, mm-hmm. but oftentimes with projects that they're still learning about. I sat down with representatives from our Asian community yesterday, and we were chatting, and we all were joking, like, um, nobody knows how Japanese Wikipedia works, <laughs> right? But we're really glad it does. Uh, yeah. But what you know, they were also saying is, they invited me to come to the regional conference they're doing next year. And I said, absolutely, of course. <laughs> but then they said, what do you know about our projects? And my response was, well, I know they're going well. I don't tell me about them. I, yeah. I just, I don't, I don't know much. Yeah. And clearly there's a lot to learn. Like how does Bahasa Wikipedia work? How is it going? Yeah. Coming up, the push to form a strategy for the future privilege in the world of wiki and later on reconciling the culture of the internet with that of free knowledge when we return but 
but then, so then we come to this um, conference theme. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people about it, so <laughs> it's it's well covered. But in that sense, in the context of constantly learning and and knowing that these, you know, language committee. I, that's probably been around for a couple of years. Oh, a long time now. So, yeah. Yeah. And it turns out only their second time meeting in person though. Yeah. Okay. 2011. That's amazing. And yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. So there are still, yeah, great milestones happening. Uh, but then the conversation becomes, oh, well, what about the future and, and this whole, um, I'm going to call it a push now to think more about the future. I mean, in my mind, and I have been corrected, but in my mind, Every meeting of every, whether it's Wikimania, the future is always a topic. But mm. this year has been particularly chosen as no, no, no. This is plan. This is strategy, right? I'm being pushy. It's true. Oh, uh, you cra- Yeah. <laughs> no, you said it's a push, and I agreed. I'm being pushy. So I think that's true. I mean, the future is always on the horizon, but I tend to think of it as the. <sighs> There's a there's a uh, an essay on Wikipedia that talks about not having a deadline, right? That we can always the work of the encyclopedia, developing the encyclopedia is ongoing, and that that is true. Mm. But as somebody observed to me, that also comes from a place of a lot of privilege. If you are somebody who's sitting in uh, Germany and you have access to a tremendous amount of material and information, educational materials. Um, and German language, digital culture, then of course there's no dead- deadline. You can have all the access to the information that you need right in front of you. Mm-hmm. If you're in a place where your local language is not very well represented, I think a lot about Arabic, actually. Arabic on the web is, I think the most statistics are like 3 to 5% of content on the web for a language of 350 million speakers. Mm-hmm. That does not in any way represent the power of that language. It doesn't represent the distribution of that language. Yes, there's no deadline for building the encyclopedia, but certainly it feels like there might be an urgency to understanding how we could accelerate the the growth of Arabic Wikipedia, which right now only has half a million articles. It's one of, relative to the size of the people, the body of people who speak it, it is one of the smaller Wikipedias. And there are questions from my mind about, well, why that is, and are we providing the necessary support? Yeah, yeah and, and, and in that sense, I wasn't around, but but when I look back at the what I hear about the history of this community, um, for a long time, it went how it went it went it in the direction it was it's going very organic which is of course some yeah. of the beauty of, of what humans are capable of um but indeed as you say then these things also happen these groups also get uh i say left out mm. or or yeah I, you know I, I look at us and i think okay we've evolved organically over time from this idea that was an encyclopedia on the web right the free encyclopedia anybody can edit and here we are today, and it's 45 million articles, and it, at the, we receive uh, about a billion visits from devices every single month. I mean, that's huge numbers. And people look to Wikipedia, and mostly they trust it, which is good. I mean, check the citations, right? But mostly they trust it, and mostly they respect it. And it's in a very different place than it was 16 years ago. So in 16 years ago, it was okay if there was no intentionality necessarily. But I think now we're so embedded in the cultural landscape of learning. Um, and we're so embedded in the web as a 
primary driver of information and one of the trusted places people go and a place of central narrative about how the world works, I think there's a responsibility associated with considering what is it that we, who are we in the world and, and what do we do next? Um, some, again, someone observed to me last night that, you know, the growth of the encyclopedia, it's, it's linear, right? At this point, it was, uh, it was explosive at first and it's linear now. And we have a model for how the encyclopedia is built. So what's the next interesting challenge Wikimedians can take on? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I think about setting a course for the future as much as anything else is, What's the next interesting challenge? And Wikimedians can, of course, take on any challenges they want. It's the beauty of, and they do. And yeah. they do. <laughs> yeah. But I, but I think at a movement level, at a global organizational level, there are questions about how do we decide how to prioritize which challenges to take on, what mountain to climb. Um, certainly, if we decide, you know, we're going to climb this mountain. Um, I don't care if Wikimedians get there in a submarine, right? I mean, that's. We, we're not trying to, I don't think anyone's trying to be prescriptive about how we go about doing it. I think we're trying to understand what would we prioritize in terms of direction setting. So when it comes time to thinking about, okay, we go through our annual fundraiser. How do the funds get allocated? We have some common consensus because that's where people can get really hung up. And that's where I think innovation and development and creativity can start to fall apart if we don't have some sort of common consensus about what our priorities are. Hmm. And it doesn't mean that there's not room for people heading exactly in the opposite direction, climbing other mountains too. I mean, that is, that's Wikipedia. There'll always be space for people to do the things that they want to do. The question is, how do we, how do we try to the extent that we can for people who want to work together to have a common sense of what kind of work they want to do together? Um, Is it, I mean, how do you see this? Uh, it, it seems like for a long time, and for much of the world still, uh, I'm going to say Wikipedia first, and then I'll say maybe even the, the well, people don't know, the, the public doesn't know the Wikimedia Foundation outright as commonly, but it seems like... We're behind the scenes. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and that's okay. Yeah, that's what I was kind of checking. <laughs> because also, this thing's getting a little more complex, right? There's more being done, it seems, anyway. Oh my God, it's it's an ecosystem. Yeah. I did an interview with a journalist from Bloomberg, mm-hmm. and that we spent weeks uh, in this interview sort of mm-hmm. process, interviewing tons of other people from around the movement. And their observation to me, they're like, it's, it's through the looking glass. It's a whole other world. Yeah. When you learn how it operates, how global it is, the way that power and resources are shared, it's like a mini United Nation. I mean, she was truly stunned, also impressed, but yeah. sort of going, I had no idea when yeah. I read an article that this is actually how this is supported. To what extent do you feel like that's something that a, a potential user, the public, needs to know? I think that it's okay if you use and love Wikipedia or any of the other projects, Wikimedia projects, yeah. just because it solves a problem for you and you need to understand or know something and you go and we're there and it solves the problem that you had in that moment of not having access to information. I think it would be wonderful if people also understood that there were a set of values behind it and that there was a global community who supports it and that it is a labor of love and human generosity. Because I think that 
that would allow people to engage more deeply mm. and potentially honestly open up the window of contributors that we currently have in our community. When you talk to folks and ask them, why do they edit or how do they become involved? So many of them it's yes, I made that first edit and that was fun, but then someone came along and talked to me and I realized there was something else there. Mm -hmm. And I realized that there were other people working on this. And then I started talking to them and then I started learning and that's how I came here. So I think there would be tremendous value if we were able to expose a little bit of the underpinnings mm -hmm. to the world, but only for the purpose of having the world be more involved. I don't think it's a sort of like egotistical people need to know of the work that goes into it. I think it's if people understood a little bit more about it, would they want to join us? This is Veronica. Like millions of people, she reads Wikipedia daily. But Veronica wants to do more. She wants to join the enormous community behind the articles. These are the people who keep everything up to date and neutral. But how do they do it? I often look back on, you know, and you were around in those days, and then that would be the time, I think, where we, we would be passing ships um, in the early days of... I'll say blogging. Yeah, um, be blogging. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and, and it was it was for me. It was also the early I days miss. of podcasting. Oh yeah, I know. Pa and, prior to the podcast renaissance. Yeah, there was yeah. no iTunes store. <laughs> I mean, not for podcasts. And um, yeah, I love podcasts. I'm so glad to see they're doing well. Uh, yeah, they, they are, but but there is something daunting as a creator about what's going on it, 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 there's so much out there mm -hmm. i mean it's an old question but it haunts me daily um i used to think in those days this is going to make for a better world um we're going to know more about each other we're gonna we're all gonna both yeah the old idea where all, all of us can create sometimes I mean, and isn't that like where global voices came from where wikipedia yes. <laughs> come from i mean that's yeah. the spirit behind all of these projects definitely and that that spirit i can't get rid of it uh, oh no i can't either <laughs> but sometimes i want to and i'll tell you why oh okay tell me why. not that i want to but but i find that it doesn't always coincide with the world that exists understood <laughs> don't give up don't give up but but in some in some cases i've been saying to myself and, and maybe a book that i haven't published yet we were wrong and you you will correct me on this i need your help uh but we, we were wrong in terms of that people would take advantage of what was available and that we would have more understanding about each other and less conflict not to say it's not possible right but but we were not I credit myself for being a little naive in those days or, or yeah, I don't know what to make of it now, but, um, I, I think I totally understand. I remember standing there in 2011, 12, 13, something right after the, the, the Snowden leaks had come out yeah. and, yeah. and all of our friends, it was after the revolutions across the Middle East and all of our friends were being hauled off to prison. And I, was standing there and talking with Brett Solomon, who runs Access Now. And he said, what if the internet is actually the worst thing that ever happened to human rights? And we both sort of looked at each other and went, oh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Now I'm not, I'm not actually that much of a pessimist, right? I actually go by the technology is not good, nor is it bad, nor is it neutral. That is my feeling. Um, but I, I do think there is sort of a naivete. I think I was part of that naivete thinking, gosh, you know, we're all going to be so connected. We're going to share information. Um, we're going to elevate each other's voices and it's going to, you know, power to the people, all, all of this. And I, and I think there's so many underlying components that have stripped that feeling away. It's not, it's not any one thing. It's the commercialization of the web, right? Mm-hmm. It's the, it's the, um, exertion of forms of state control over national sort of the creation imposition of national boundaries and, and jurisdictions on what we once thought was sort of a transnational yeah. play space really. Um, there are a lot of things that have gone into it, but do you know, like Hossein Darakshan, uh, Darakshan, he's the basic, I think he's been called like the godfather of blogging in Iran. He was one of the very first bloggers and he went to prison for six years. And when he came out, he wrote this piece for the guardian that said, what happened to the internet? And that's kind of how I feel like we are in today is it was actually, I mean, I don't want us to lose touch with what the internet was at that point in time. Mm. And I don't want us to lose touch with the fact that our optimism didn't come out of nowhere. There were well-founded reasons for why we were so excited because you and I sitting here today wouldn't have happened mm-hmm. if not for mm-hmm. those connections. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, we're coming out of a good place. I admit it was a naive place. I think today the challenges are real, yeah. but I don't think we should lose touch with the fact that people are becoming more connected. People are, um, st- the connections that have existed are real. Access to information is increasing just statistically. Of course, yes, censorship is a real problem. Commercialization is a real problem. The loss of privacy is a tremendous concern. Mm-hmm. I worry over the long run that we will have no spaces left that are for organic inquiry and, and conversation and connection and creativity. But that just for me is a call to action to ensure that we protect them or create them. And it's a good reminder that I needed this morning <laughs> that, you know, good things are happening, have been happening. And it's just that they don't float to the top of our, I don't know, minds. If it bleeds, it leads. But even in ourselves somehow, or, you know, even, well, not our, I'm speaking for me now is what I'm doing. Uh, but I think a lot of people, especially people who were very active in those days or activists in some ways, got jaded, right? And now they're sort of somewhere in between, if not out. Right. Cynical or... Cynical. I have days. Prophecies of doom. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I can be a little cynical too. But then I have to step back and go, yeah, but like Wikipedia exists, right? And Global Voices still exists and you know, Creative Commons exists. And there are all these things that exist that are wonderful spaces of creativity and art and sh- exchange and culture and collaboration, you know, yeah. but like many things in the world, we maybe don't tell our story enough or we maybe don't have the resources that other organizations do. And, uh, you know, that's okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Watch this tangent and then we'll, we'll come off of it. But um, this reminds me of um, a good friend of mine who comes, who I do a lot of podcasts with. Uh, He's an Afghan photographer uh, based in Kabul and um, good at speaking from the heart as, as so many good friends in Afghanistan are. And we would do these interviews and indeed he himself was the witness as a photographer to a lot of violence, uh, if not in the moment, you know, there afterwards. 
And what I realized, if I, if I didn't already when I was there, is that, um, wow, this sounds like some kind of a humble brag. Um, <laughs> but not, I'm not hearing it as that. <laughs> good. Uh, but what I realized was he had photos, not that they had sold or, or been wanted, but he had photos of lots of everyday life from so many different places in that country. And some of it was beautiful. Some of it was completely normal in terms of it's just a day. Absolutely mundane. Yeah. And there were so, there was so much of that. And he's based in the capital, right? So a lot, depending on the year, but a, a lot of the stories that he has to cover are, are violence. But when he manages to get out of town or even elsewhere in town and he gets beautiful photos from everyday life. And, and, and he said to me, and now I go around saying it as well in like a mantra, there's so much, let's say, good everyday life happy there's moments. so much living happening yeah yeah you yeah. know there's so much living happening i i think of that when i i think about how much we this is not a new observation at all but i think about how much we don't know of the people that will pass us every day mm -hmm. in life and they all have their own personal histories and tragedies and triumphs and yeah. and there's just some there's some real beauty mm -hmm. in that but we tend to lose sight of it um Maybe because it's too much. Uh, and, 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 and therein, I'll, I'll bring it back to this community. Um, not that anybody has given up, but it no. is so much going on that there is an element here of overload. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Let's talk about your Saturday. You know? <laughs> We're in Sunday now. I mean, I think that you know, that's, a, that's the reason we have like quiet rooms for people to go lie down and just be like, no more sensory stimuli. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there is too much going on for any one person. It's, you know, the, the wise men and the elephants. We don't know what part we're holding on to at any given point in time, but that's the fun. I truly, I mean, it's. Yeah. And, and, but, but what I, what I really admire and I, and I want to, I have some of my own and I definitely want to be inspired by that, which you bring is this spirit of, um, yes, but we're going to, we're going to act anyway. We're going to move forward the push perhaps. Um, we're going to, we're going to move forward and end. We're going to move forward together. We're going to try. <laughs> there will always be people who don't want to move forward together. That is, there's a, t the healthy tension that makes Wikipedia possible is that we can't always all agree. Mm -hmm. And that is true on the article pages. And that is true in the rooms here today. And that is just true of who we are. But amazingly consensus is consensus doesn't mean that everyone has to agree. And that's, what's so beautiful about, Wikimedia. I love that. There's no up-down votes. It doesn't even mean that anyone has to agree. It just means do a reasonable majority or do a reasonable number of people who have weight in this area seem to think that this is something good that we should do. Mm. And then we go do it. Yeah. Up next, provocative information, vanilla ice cream, and then still to come, the complications of complexity... We're speaking with Catherine Marr here on Source Code Berlin. The foundation did something controversial recently. We released our... Yeah, we do that sometimes. Um, it wasn't intended to be controversial, but it was. We released our annual report for the past year, and the theme of the report was Facts Matter. And we chose 10 facts to illustrate the importance of facts. And some were innocuous, 
Wikipedia is edited 350 times a month. There are more than a thousand languages in India. Okay is the most widely understood world word globally. And then there were some that were in my, to my mind, provocative, um, in a good way. So 2016 was the hottest year on record. Half of all refugees are school aged children. Now, the response from the community was really was really mixed on this. Mm-hmm. There were quite a few people who thought the foundation was being overtly political by making these statements. Mm-hmm. And there were quite a few people who felt as though these were not necessarily political statements at all. And that, in fact, you know, the issue of refugee rights was settled in 1946. And anthropogenic climate change is something that is well documented as part of the scientific record. And as somebody said to me, perhaps there's a, there are politics in not wanting these facts to Mm. be out there. So, so there, there was a really interesting dialogue among the community saying, suggesting that first of all, you know, this was all in response to the U S election and the foundations being so Americentric. But then there was an email from somebody sitting who lives in India saying, I, you know, I read this and I live in India and my first reaction was not, this was related to anything in the U S this was related to the challenges of the world today. So I, I, you know, I don't know that we have more of an appetite for it. I think we are in an ongoing conversation about it. What I would say though, is that from, I'll be very blunt and perhaps a little bit provocative to the community. Free knowledge is a radical act. It is mm-hmm. political. Yeah. It is absolutely political to believe in free knowledge. Yeah. It's not necessarily partisan. It doesn't necessarily align with a specific political ideology or party or side. But to believe that everybody should have access to information, everybody should participate in the creation of information, that upends everything that we know about the structures and hierarchies, the epistemology of the world, that is political. Yeah. It's radical. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Yeah. And I think we need to be able to accept that because we're doing something that's kind of radical. And yeah, that might make people uncomfortable at times. But if we fall out of embracing that, that origin of where we came from, which was fundamentally disruptive to mm. <laughs> gatekeepers of knowledge, well, we've kind of lost sight of where who we are. Yeah. I think for a second there, I may have lost sight of the, the origins as a disruptor and because sometimes I look at it and I and I think oh yeah no no the overall idea here is to be as universal and and vanilla as possible like poor vanilla ice cream always gets it no vanilla is actually delicious <laughs> I mean I it has to be good vanilla but yeah but yeah real stuff oh, yeah, yeah it's great yeah, no. I think it was the chemical vanilla that you know again now this is a political conversation because I'm against chemicals in my vanilla ice cream, basically. Um, yeah I mean I I, I'm not suggesting that Wikipedia is the thing that you carry to the barricades. It's not, that's not our role, but we have, I think that you, if, if you don't feel like what you do when you create knowledge is political, that is because you already are in a place of where your needs are being met. And if you live in a place where creating knowledge is under threat and <clears throat> Structures of knowledge are subject to control and there are things that you can't say and there are meetups that you can't have. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's part of our community. I talked to people this weekend who have experienced that. I three separate conversations with those themes underlying them. Yeah. Mm. The distance between, as you said, sitting 
in Berlin or in sitting in the United States and sitting in almost any other part of the world. I think I saw a statistic that like 67% of the internet is subject to some form, you know, just jurisdictionally. So by, by national border, some form of censorship. So if that's actually the case, Mm -hmm. yeah, of course, free knowledge is political. Mm. One of the, of course, um, for me, if we go back to the whole spirit of the power of the internet, share, 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 create, 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 right? Uh, we come upon this reality um, of people and their behavior online and, and uh, the, the, the occasional or, well, too occasional um, horrible spirit, the, the harassment, the, the treatment of others, the insults. I mean, whoever you are listening to this program, you've probably noticed it, even if you don't want to look, if you want to ignore it, but even then you've, you, you know of this. It's a well-known thing. Um, the word bullying or cyberbullying became a, a term that became pretty well-known in the last five to ten years. I mean... Harassment, doxing, swatting. Yeah, yeah it's I've learned a stuff. lot of words. Yeah. Horrible words that I never wanted yeah. to know what lay behind them. Yeah. But it seems to me there was always a process for... When it comes to like van, now we're talking editing Wikipedia. Maybe I should. <laughs> so vandalism, yes, like yeah. there are processes for these, and we have organizations within the community that can address if you violate policies mm-hmm. or guidelines. Um, Wikipedia has never been a place where outright harassment has been necessarily prevalent, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that we have been immune from what I actually think is a more insidious form of harassment, which is. The, the sort of thing that sounds civil, but is actually threatening or harassing or, um, not dis- discriminatory. Mm-hmm. And I think that many people, I myself have not personally experienced this, but I know that many people have experienced as, uh, as ed- while they edit the attention and unwanted attention of another editor um, who could be outright aggressive mm. and unkind. And that might not m- intentionally be harassment, but if it is repetitive over time, if it's the same person, that then becomes a form of targeting. That is, that is real. The reason why I say it's insidious is it's not, we're not Twitter, right? Mm. Twitter, the lines are clear. There is horrific stuff on Twitter. There are terrible people who use who are actually probably not so terrible in real life but for some reason sitting behind you know the anonymity of a twitter egg um Mm -hmm. allows the id to run unchecked but that that is a platform with problems you know it has become the byword for what sort of a platform with problems is Mm -hmm. wikipedia doesn't have the same sorts of problems but it doesn't mean that we don't have those problems now what i'm really excited about is that this year, the board of trustees requested that we, following conversation, sent a letter to the community clarifying their position that harassment has no place on yeah. Wikipedia and directed the foundation to use the resources necessary to start to address this. Mm-hmm. And the way that we've taken on that mandate is to say, okay, um, we agree. Community health is incredibly important. Wikipedia needs to be a place where people feel welcome if we're going to continue to thrive and if we're going to continue to have new people come in. Um, what are the problems that the foundation can address 
through providing better support for editors who work to combat these issues. And so we've been working, uh, we've brought in people into the foundation who have experience doing this sort of work, and they are now in consultation with the editing community to understand where do they see the problems? What are the hotspots? What kind of solution sets exist? What are, what's the sort of macro perspective on what needs to be done from training to blocking tools to auto detection of harassment all the way to recourse for people who have been mm. harassed or bullied. So we have rolling out some, some programs there that allow people to actually seek recourse. Um, so what's the overall perspective and then how do we build those, those individual yeah. solutions? I, I think, you know, we have a long way to go, but acknowledging that there's a problem is, is certainly the first step. Well, be a good picture either way. I'll send Mac out with a snapper. That's 40 miles out of the valley. We'll never make today's paper. A wire photo will make it if they pull it by four o'clock. The editor, the number of editors or contributors is quite stable at mm. this point. Um, it accelerated quite a bit in early days and then it dropped off quite rapidly and then it stabilized. And there are a lot of uh, hypotheses as to why this is. People tend to say, okay, when the encyclopedia was first created, and this holds true across all languages, there was a lot of work to do. And so a lot of people could contribute. As the work became more specialized, as more content was created, there were fewer sort of generalist roles available to play. And to a lot of people today, Wikipedia feels like it's a complete and done thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's certainly not true. There are so many more things you can add to Wikipedia. Um, and I don't just mean articles, right. but many people today look at it and it doesn't feel like something they need to edit or contribute to. Uh, and then the sort of hypothesis is, is that that formalization of the projects then led to a decrease in participation because people didn't see what the opportunity was for them to add a creation or contribution. Yeah. And then it stabilized at this sort of state, steady state number, um, which represents sort of normal care and feeding. Now, I think that's a good hypothesis. I think that sounds like a hypothesis that works very well for Spanish Wikipedia or French Wikipedia or English Wikipedia or German Wikipedia. I don't think that that's a, hypothesis that necessarily holds true for our smaller Wikipedias where there's clearly so much work to be done. Uh, so I, I think it's something that we're constantly trying to understand. I often think of Wikipedia as, as an organism, right? It is alive and it responds to external stimuli in its environment, but it also means we don't necessarily always understand why it does the things it does. Yeah. It's, it is, is some parts of it is our mystery and we're still trying to map the genome. I'm, uh, when I'm not putting microphones in front of people, uh, <laughs> I've been teaching uh, at a university or something like that. I've been teaching sociology. And um, it's kind of a nice exercise for the brain and for observing the world. And I thought of you, uh, knowing that I would see you this weekend, I thought of you a few times teaching this week. Um, one is when we talk about complexity mm. and as society, if we use the word advances or moves forward into the future, it becomes more complex. And then I, I get to come here to the Wikimedia conference and complexity comes to mind. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. The opening exercises to get people to know each other were all about exploring complexity. Yeah. yeah. Um, a couple of questions on that front. Oh. One, one question on that front, maybe one of my favorites. Um, 
let's see how this goes. But I give it to kids all the time, a, a young adult. <laughs> oh, so I better not fail the test. No, no, no. It, 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 there's no answer. That's sociology for you. But um, do you eat some pretzel? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Do you change the job or does the job change you? Both. Both. I mean, you change the job because you bring yourself to it and your own personal predilections and style and everything else. But the job changes you because no matter what the job is, the job has responsibilities and the job pushes you outside of your comfort zone. I think that that, or at least a good job should, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you're not a, if you're not a little bit afraid, you're probably not working at the right level. <laughs> good quote. <laughs> <laughs> um, so both. Both is the answer. And certainly this, this job has changed me, um, but I hope that... You've changed the job? I hope so. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously a negotiation. It's always a question of where is it at? The, the, the example I always use in class is the, the presidency or prime ministership, um, depending on the country, and, and everyone has really strong opinions about that. Mm. Um, uh, I'm just always fascinated by that the role or the relationship between the human and this organism as mm -hmm. you've described it and you know where is that negotiation of obviously the organism impacts the the individual and the individuals here certainly impact the organism but but i wonder where that how that relationship is changing especially as we go for strategy into the future mm -hmm. um and and i know that that's this, those decisions are, are still Pending, in the process yeah. yeah this morning before you got here i was watching but they had all the I think principles on the on the wall or you know and, and there was so much going on i recorded some audio of it just as background well i mean i think the individuals are changing the organism and i think it's happening in a good way i was talking about this last night with some wikimedians about this idea of sort of like generations of wikimedians and the first people loosely speaking that i think of as first generation are people who came to wikimedia perhaps they had been involved in the open source movement they were perhaps more technically inclined um They you know, understood wiki markup. It was not a deterrent to creation. Um, they brought to Wikipedia that open source ethos and community collaboration, but also strong underlying strains of individualism um, and independence. And now I think that, that that still exists. I think that that's a healthy part of our community. But I also see community members who come to us out of different sectors, people who come to us from the um, glam institutions, the cultural sector, so galleries, libraries, archives, and museums, and people who come from this world have different life experiences and different professional approaches and different experiences of collaboration, and perhaps are less the sort of individual iconoclasts of the freedom, free and open software movement, and are perhaps slightly more take different approaches. Um, and then we see the people who come to Wikipedia actually as a form of activism, which I find fascinating. Mm -hmm. The folks behind art and feminism, for example, or uh, the Afro crowd community or black lunch table, which are really focused on representation within Wikipedia. And how do you use this tool that's so powerful in the world in terms of everyone uses it to actually think about how to address sort of cultural and historical paradigms that have historically excluded narratives around people of color or women, and how do you write those histories back into Wikipedia? And so Wikipedia is changing as a result of the fact that people who use and write 
the projects are changing. And I think that's a good thing. Here comes a horrible quote, or not a horrible quote, but just a a cliche on my part. Um, I used to have a a most deaf album. Uh, What was the name of that album? I don't know, but I loved it. And um, and it's. I remember a track starts off, and he just talks, and he says, "People always come up to me and they ask me, what's going to happen with hip hop? You know, most. What do we? What's going to happen? What's going on with hip hop? And and most have said, ask yourself, what's going on with you? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- th- there's your answer. You know, mm-hmm. what's going on with you? That's that's what's going on with with hip hop. All right, I'm cutting that part out. Uh, no, I like that part. <laughs> no one wants to hear me talk Quote, about most deaf. deaf. No one. <laughs> no one. Lastly today, the relevance of the term encyclopedia, Wikipedia as an educational tool, and the things Catherine really wants to figure out in the next half of 2017. We are definitely, if we weren't already, in an era of it's there, I use it, I don't ask questions as to how it got there. Mm-hmm. Like so many things in our lives, right? You mm-hmm. drive a car, perhaps. It's a utility. You do it's not so know sad. how it works. You don't think about how it got there. Now, that's changing in some areas. Folks like you and I can probably still sing the dial-up song. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, yes, yeah, absolutely. And you're right, you know, new generation, plenty of generations, in don't, fact. Yeah. So, I mean, I think one of the things that I get so excited about is when I meet people from the Wikimedia education community who are using Wikipedia as a pedagogical tool, who are using it as a example of if (laughs) not to use Wikipedia to cite it, because even I would say, don't cite Wikipedia. You should never cite an encyclopedia. You should use it as a jumping off point for further learning, but you should check the citations and the citations you might want to cite because those are usually pretty good. Um, So it's not about that. It's about how do you engage with Wikipedia as a living dynamic resource and how do you use it as an example of thinking about how do you do research, engaging in critical thinking, how does it teach digital and media literacy? I think that teachers who are using Wikipedia as a tool for teaching where they assign Wikipedia articles to students to improve them or to write them, I think that's very exciting. Mm -hmm. That's a great way of learning about the internet. It's a great way of learning about a lot of things. It's a great way of learning about assessing sources around doing comparison and com- of critical information about deciding what are the most important pieces to make your point about thinking about how to write accessibly. Uh, I mean, there's so much to it. And I think it's such an exciting model. I'd love to see more of it. Yeah. And I'm also curious and uh, what happens when, especially at the lower ages, yeah. uh, as these generations get older, what they're going to do and how they're going to look at uh, and engage with a Wikipedia or, or other projects of that nature. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you one thing. They probably don't think of the internet as a browser, right? I, no. There's... We have such a, yeah. uh, you and I sitting here probably have such a different understanding of what device interface looks like. Um, and I think that that's actually the thing when you say, how are they going to interact with Wikipedia? My response is, gosh, what is Wikipedia going to do to be ready for that interaction? Because yeah. if we are moving to this sort of a post browser interface world, um, how are you going to edit Wikipedia? Yeah. Already people can consume Wikipedia, I'm putting out air quotes here, mm. can use Wikipedia and access the content through a number of different sort of devices and interfaces and you know voice recognition and the like. But it's you can't contribute unless you're sitting there in front of the screen. Yeah. And that's okay. That's probably going to be the way it is for a while. But 
what other things do we need to anticipate about our future and how, from a technical and platform perspective, do we need to continue to evolve to be ready for that? There's this great quote um, of a friend who volunteered his time to do research for us in South Africa, uh, Dominic Villele. He went and uh, did a number of sort of generative interviews with young people. Everybody ha- that he interviewed was under the age of 35 in South Africa, all different backgrounds, um, ethnicity, sort of economic status, education. One of the women that he interviewed had only gotten online for the first time three weeks ago. And, and then it sort of ran the gamut from there. But what I loved, what I absolutely loved was this interview with this young girl. She's a school age student, maybe 15. And her response to his question about what's an encyclopedia was something to the effect of a place of old books where old people go to look up old information. And I went, oh, no, (laughs) we'll never be able to explain ourselves if we just call ourselves the free encyclopedia. Because it's not that the content in Wikipedia isn't informative and relevant and interesting. It's like, what's an encyclopedia? If you've never, if it's not a relevant thing to your generation or if you've never had one on your shelves. As you look forward uh, in 2017, in the work you're doing, or just personally, what do you most want to find out this year that you're like, ah, I got to figure this out. I got to, I want to know. I want to know. Great question. I, I really want to get, I really want to figure out where this movement is going. And, and I don't say that because I think that we need to do anything radically different, but Mm. I would love us to agree on a couple common values or principles around investing in growing globally. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I mean by that is reaching people that we're not yet reaching, uh, engaging and building communities in places where we don't yet have communities or where they're just very young and need additional support. I'd love us to think about what free knowledge is beyond the encyclopedia. So how Mm. do we support other projects within the Wikimedia universe and projects that might not exist yet? Um, I'd love to think about how we prepare from a technical platform perspective for the future uh, so that we are ready for whatever the internet is going forward. Um, And I'd love to just keep learning and, and getting to know the Wikimedia community. Oh, and one, and I'd also love to figure out how we could be a better partner to the institutions we already work with. So those are those ones in the educational space and in the cultural space and in the space of the sciences. A lot of institutions, you know, work with our platform and they work with our community, but there's certainly more, I think, that we could do to support them there. Um, huh. Yeah. And I don't know. What's the future of free knowledge? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what's the future for us? Yeah. What's our future? What's the future of free knowledge? Are they this and one and the same? They might be um well i mean yes in many ways the most deaf answer applies (laughs) the most deaf what's up with you (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that's how we're doing that's a good point yeah Yeah. i gotta find that what was that Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> and now you can't cut that feet part of it. <laughs> That's right. Uh. Locked in. Oh, it's fine. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you. And uh, I wish you very interesting and fun journeys to come. Thanks so very much. Thanks for this. Has been fun. <laughs> we'll do it again. Oh yeah. All right. Catherine Marr is the executive director of the Wikimedia Foundation.
And that does it for today's extended podcast. A special thanks to my guest, Catherine Marr, and to Juliet Barbara for some behind-the-scenes help. Source Code Berlin is a Wikimedia Deutschland podcast, and if you'd like to comment about what you heard today, or just in general, you can do so on sourcecode.berlin, or on our Facebook page under the same name, or on Twitter at SRCCodeBerlin. We had music today by the Blue Dot Sessions, Ketza, Poddington Bear, and Wildlight, all published under CC licenses and available on the Free Music Archive. SCB is published under a CCBYSA 4.0 license and edited by me. Until next time, I'm Mark Fonseca Rendeiro. There are many podcasts in the world today. You've chosen to listen to this one, and I thank you for it. Goodbye. we don't know of the people that will pass us every day mm-hmm. in life and they all have their own personal histories and tragedies and triumphs and and there's just some there's some real beauty in that but we tend to lose sight of it we are, we are.